and welcome to yet another episode of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Ah, oh, great one, man. Awesome. <laughs> well, yes, I expect no less from the Winger Tribute Band of Gaming Podcasts. Oh, really? Ouch. That's a kick in the jimmies. Ah, ah. Right. maybe I'm being a little unfair. Maybe we're not even, you know, not even a winger, just its tribute band. No, no, maybe, maybe we're not that bad. Oh, well, but welcome. I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we film the Dice Screaming Podcast Zeitgeist Mind of our little podcast here. Mike oh, and the uh, fiendish double tree combo. Yep. Coming at you from two sides of the story, usually with the same mind. And Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're... You know, we don't live in different parsecs here, okay? Uh, no. You know, we're, we're largely in the same zone. Uh, we may differ from time to time, but... Uh, we're always somewhere in the right neighborhood. Yep, and uh, so coming at you, we got some topic for you lined up tonight. Hope you'll enjoy, and we of course, do. oh boy, yeah, we got can't wait to tear into that. But first, we got some call-ins, and really, we do have call-ins this time rather than just some imagined ones. Yeah, th- this is not like a Doctor Who universe, qu- you know, like quantum physics, you know, thing where uh, the call-ins exist in another time and space. You know, we we may have thought that they were ours. They belonged to some other Mike and Randy and some infinite projection of multiple Mikes and Randys all doing the same podcast. And I feel like I really want an echo effect. You know, if if we could make the microphone do that, that would just be insanely awesome right now. Well, we do have an echo effect, but uh, I think we'll we'll mess with that setting later. (laughs) But uh, in the meantime, also, we have some call-ins from Jason of... Nerds RPG Variety Podcast. And Excellent. He's going to take us some tasks and things we got wrong. So. Oh, well, we we own our mistakes here at the Dicer Screaming, and he's correct. Uh, just going to, spoiler, we we dropped the ball. We got our maxes totally mixed up. It. Yep. <laughs> we got the first part right. My, my maxes were set on minimum. Right, but take it away, Jason. Hey guys, Jason here. Enjoyed your 80s movie episode. You had some good picks in there. Actually, you had some great picks in there, so can't complain at all. Dragon Slayer is a wonderful movie. Um, the other movie, of course, in 1981, that, like Krull, had Liam Neeson, was Excalibur, which Excalibur probably falls my favorite fantasy movie, but definitely Dragon Slayer is up there as well. But, yeah, Dragon Slayer, or I'm sorry, Excalibur is a great movie. Um, of course, there are so many great ones. Like you say, you can't <clears throat> can't really pick. The only other thing, mention real quickly, the black hole. I look forward to you talking about that. I, I enjoy the black hole. I rewatched it recently, and I'd forgotten how dark the ending was and all. But it's not Max von Sydow that's in that movie. It's Maximilian Schell, S H S C H E L L. So. Anyhow, not trying to bust your balls, just want to mention mention that so he gets the proper credit. He's the guy that plays um, Dr. Hans, is it Reinhardt? Um, doo, doo, doo. I forget what the character's name is now. But anyway, he's the, but it was Max, the Smack Schnell guy. Uh, I'm sorry, actor is a, actually an Academy Award winning actor um, from Judgment Nuremberg. But he plays the, the evil... Um, scientist in that movie not not uh, Max von Snydow who's in a a bunch of movies of course in that time frame 
he was the king in Conan, you, you know, but, he, but he's been in so many great movies since then. But yeah, great episode, some, some great picks. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue. I mean, like you say, there's so many. And the thing about Corman movies, like you say, you know what you're getting into. I actually like Dragon Slayer 2 better because it's kind of a parody of the first. But Regardless, it was a great episode. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to any more you put out this year. And I hope you guys have a great holiday season. Take care. And we're back. So, yeah, thanks, Jason. Yeah, we... Uh... You're absolutely correct. That is... Uh... That is a class A boner on our part. We we did in fact bungle it. It's Maximilian Shell. Uh, Maximilian. A, Maximilian Shell. Uh, not Max von Sydow. Who did uh, play, of course, uh, King Osric. King the Osric. usurper. <laughs> Lions ate him. <laughs> yeah, but just think. You know, he could have uh, been Captain Reinhardt. Oh, I, I stand by the one statement I did make earlier uh, in in that last podcast, which is. It, Everything is made better by Max von Sydow. You know, yeah. If you have Max von Sydow in it, uh, you've got quality, like needful things. I think that would have been a terrible movie if they had not cast Max von Sydow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only redeeming feature in Flash of Gordon, uh, I mean, you know, beyond the comic value of Brian Blessed screaming, Dive! You know, just uh, was Ming the Merciless is Max von Sydow. You know, yeah, yeah, that era was he was pretty prolific. Uh, also, did other great movies, uh, less noted, Pele the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just any number of like not all of the stuff he did was Hollywood. It was you know, Mighty Ducks. So it was uh, indie stuff. Uh, oh, and let's not forget uh, the Bob and Doug McKenzie movie, <laughs> where he ran the evil. Beer company. The brewery, yeah. Yeah, evil beer brewery president. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Oh, sorry. Bleep, bleep. No, Seven no, second no. delay. We do. I, I, I'm just overly enthusiastic about that. We know. we are in not safe for work podcast, so you were warned. Nonetheless, <laughs> um, we do drop those F-bombs. Yeah, it, it, it happened. I'm, I'm a little out of it today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the confessional before we really get into this. Uh I have been working night shifts, and as a consequence, uh, I, <laughs> uh, there has been some exposure to extremely, you know, either cold or wet air, uh, and I have developed a bit of a cold, and I am pumping coffee into my system in preparation for He's got IV drips right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <I'm> just <laughs> some blood accidentally got into my caffeine stream, so I'm a little oh. off my game. Uh <laughs> Uh, so, I'm a little more manic than usual. Just uh, chalk that up to uh, this this cup of Java that I'm I'm you know punching into my system in an attempt to get get it together. Yeah, but glad you enjoyed that, Jason. Um, yeah, you're right about it. Uh, Liam Neeson. He's also an Excalibur. Oh yeah, which I mean, we'll definitely uh, we cover. mentioned that privately amongst ourselves uh, after the episode. Uh, that you know, if we do another big three. Uh, it's, it's Conan, um, Excalibur and legend. Now we can gloss over Conan cause we had an entire yeah. love story, you know, our ode to Conan, uh, quite a ways back, you know, and we'll gloss over that part a bit and just casually, you know, uh, re-reference Conan. 
uh, and then move on to the two movies we've never covered and you know, really let the meat and potatoes have it there. And Excalibur is decidedly one of them. Yep, the uh, uh, Nigel, I forget his last name, but uh, that played Merlin still sticks out in my mind as probably one of the more inventive interpretations of that role rather than a pointy hat and a long beard. All right, fair enough that, yes. Uh, but, uh, which also, yep. again, I think we'll get, added up to making it well done. I think we'll yeah, definitely we'll do a black hole uh, tribute at some point oh, in time. Well, I mean, we've never really done a science fiction movies per se. Yeah, because Star Wars in 2001 you know, dominate the landscape on that one as far as cinematic. But there's a lot of others like Logan's Run and yeah, we, Outland as well as... Uh, Oh, geez, what was that one with the three robots, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and uh, had uh, Bruce Dern in it? Oh, oh dear. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll refresh my memory, uh, get into that one. But that's a, that's another good uh, science fiction. Yeah, um, I mean, we will cover some science fiction movies at some point, because, I mean, it's just so desperately called for. Uh, and I am a, you know, shameless cinematophile, so I, I can't help it, man. I, I love movies, and the... Even some of the less stellar ones that at least delivered a very inventive idea or a unique approach. I mm -hmm. mean, they all fed into the zeitgeist. Uh, and if you happened to be gaming at about that time, uh, many of these, like, 70s and 80s movies... Uh, Adventures into the Forbidden Zone, Ice Pirates. Oh, oh Space Hunter, yeah. Yeah, Your... Molly Ringwald's finest hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they could only forget. Uh, and well, maybe even Galaxy of Terror, because oh, who can't forget that? Huh? Well, you know, you need eye bleach. I haven't recovered from Zardoz. Oh, uh, <laughs> Harry, Sean, Connery, and a man thong. Yep. A mankini. Yeah, whatever the heck that was. Yeah. That's just the hippies that stabbed Welcome to 70 Science Fiction. If it was weird and out there, it got on the screen. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, we've got one that, more call in to get. And it's oh, yes. Joe oh, hey. with sports. And, and uh, take it away, Joe. Gentlemen, I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed the uh, 80s night at the OSR Theater episode. I remember seeing Krull and Dragon Slayer at the theater loving them uh everybody wanted that glaive throwing star um i even remember a terrible video game they made of it and everything else so good stuff what about a sci-fi version with uh maybe metal storm the destruction of jared sin and uh ice pirates and what about space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone i'm guessing y'all have seen all those uh, anyway, enjoyed it. See ya. <laughs> wow, we are so terrible. <laughs> That's Frost Soth dropping in from the ethereal plane as the cyanic platypus eating our thoughts, and that's what happens as uh, we get confused. So, uh, yeah, not even kidding there. Not even kidding there. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was not, in fact, Joey Richter. Uh, Joey Richter is with us in spirit. Yes, Joe. he is. Uh, but Frost yeah, I know, you're reading my mind, dude. It's, it's like my brain is that tree and you're those Keebler elves. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that coffee really is taking hold. Oh, yeah. Um, He's seeing colors <laughs> that are outside of the human experience. Oh, yeah, like a brine shrimp. Uh, yep. You know, no, I'm, 27 uh, <laughs> different shades of purple. 
I should. I don't actually have to drive to work tonight. I, I can just vibrate like the Flash. And just... <laughs> uh, no, um, you're absolutely correct. That that's just what I was thinking was that a science fiction version of movie night. Uh, I'd forgotten about Metal Storm, the mm -hmm. destruction of Jared Sin. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the... another like. Of yep. that oeuvre, but we mentioned the Space Hunter, and you mentioned the Ice Pirates. Yeah, uh, and also Galaxy of Terror, because uh, I wouldn't recommend watching that with the family, though. No, oh, we oh. don't need another maggot rape scene. That's... Ew. Ew. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's the guy who brung the Avatar. Really? Yeah, he made that movie. It's early protean work of his. Yeah. Uh, trying to get noticed. Um, yeah, that's James Cameron at the helm. Hmm. Interesting. Will the crystals hold? Yes, the crystals shall hold. Shatter. Ah! Okay, if you've seen that part of the movie, that's that's something that is an in-joke among us. <laughs> Will the crystals hold? Oh, man. Um, no, I, I would have to say that those are all quality, uh, you know, items for, for a movie night discussion. Uh, especially Metal Storm, because I, I haven't thought about that in a year. <laughs> well, completely forgotten it. I just, I just rewatched Space Hunter for the giggles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because why not? I was kind of having a. That one was done in three D too, wasn't it? No, no. That, oh, now uh, I, Treasure of the Four Crowns in three D. Oh, days. Holy crap! Was that terrible? Uh, in almost all other respects. But I was like 13, and it was in 3D, so I yeah, you know. We, we should probably also uh, bend the knee to Big Trouble in Little China oh. at some point. Oh, and we're we're not going to list that alongside, like... No, science fiction, but I just said, but when you start bringing yeah. up those movies, I think yeah. when you come to Big really Trouble good, bad movies... Awesome. Yeah. You know, they just basically took every genre. I mean, there was almost nothing that wasn't covered. I mean, what didn't they put in that movie? Ah. I could have used more Snake Plifkin. Uh, no. well. <laughs> Escape from New York. Uh, see, now there's another, you know, like, bad, good, magnificent classic, like Big Trouble in Little China. Those are, and amazingly, same actor. But yeah, we should just do a Kurt Russell. Yeah. It's uh, Big like, Trouble in Little Kurt China. Kurt Russell night. <laughs> uh, Escape from New York and The Thing. Yeah, he came a long way from the days of Disney, you know, like Shaggy D.A. guy or whatever it was. That, uh, uh, yeah, he was a co-star with Elvis. He was a kid actor. Oh, my gosh. That's why he does such a great job with uh, imitating Elvis. Oh, man. Mm, man. Hey, mama. Bring yeah, but some, he was with Zilla, Elvis. When... Zilla, bring me some fried chicken. I'm going oh, before that, that stage, he was with the cool Elvis. <laughs> I want another fluff another sandwich. All right, so, uh, yeah, thanks, uh... Froth, I'm sorry we got you confused on the intro there, bro. Forgive us. And uh, our wires are crossed. Probably that quasi-dimensional cross-time thing is going on. And uh, we're going to chalk it up to that. I'm saying, and I'm kind of seeing that other universe right now. Because this, like, <laughs> wow, that second, like that double-strength extra scoop. Kapow! It's really doing the job. Firing off the electrons. It's no. pushing through the phlegm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, ah, not to be too gross. I mean, you know, like, well, hell, like I'm going to break the bank after we discussed maggot rape. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're not going anywhere where we already haven't tried. 
All right, so we're going to cut this short and get on to uh, doing the bills, paying them at least, I think. Uh, we've got an advertisement, so stick around, and we'll be back with Topic after this. All right, and we're back. Thanks for hanging around. And so, without further ado, let us delve into Topic, since oh, it's for a rant tonight. So we're going to yeah. talk about mining the nostalgia fantastic, both the pros and cons of Looking back at the glory old days, faded yeah. and tattered modules and uh, pop and uh, Cheeto stains all across the pages, along with those ubiquitous pencil marks. Yeah, we're looking at the core concept of nostalgia mining itself. There are some upsides, there are some downsides. I, you know, to some degree we approve, to some degree we disapprove. I, you know, we're not really firmly fixed on this one, but that's kind of what made it interesting. Uh, you know, it it so often is a case-by-case -case basis where we look at something and we ask ourselves, did we really need that? You know, and in another case, we're like, oh, wow, awesome. Thank goodness they're doing that. Uh, I, It is a really murky scenario with yeah. uh, the return of so much material resurfacing in, in this era and being recycled uh, or acting as inspiration, which, honestly, most of the time, I'm most often in favor of things being an inspiration for new material. I, I love new material most of all, but I love a classic homage, whether it's in film or in literature, uh, and in gaming, like in everything else, there are Things that are homaging classic material by delivering new material on a similar theme. And I, shall we start with efforts like those? Uh, perfect. Example. Yeah, let's just uh, throw uh, the first thing out here and kick it around. Um, a lot of the people ask, like, what makes a classic module classic? And there's no one standard answer, I guess. Uh, people look at the Giants against the Giant series or yeah. um, Descent into the Earth and, of course, uh, Vault of the Drow as classic epic campaigns. And sure enough, it there were a few things written like that. Also, uh, Griffin Mountain, uh, Snake Pipe, uh, yeah, Snake Pipe Hills uh, from um, Hollow, excuse me, from RuneQuest were also uh, beloved classics, as is Mass of Nyarlathotep. For Call of Cthulhu. These were all uh, large campaigns that had an epic feel and a setting with lots of uh, little things to do in and out of them. But also some classic modules are uh, Village of Hamlet against uh, the Reptile. Oh, cult. against the Cult of the, the Reptile, reptile God. God. Thank you. And uh, getting this right slowly. Goodness. And uh, even Expedition to Barrier Peaks. <laughs> because D&D was crying out laser pistols please yep. uh, yeah I, no. I think what makes a classic is making a creation a, a module or campaign uh, that first did not heavily tax the DM to deliver it to the players, okay? If you had to fill in a lot of the blanks and had to put in a lot of work to make it enjoyable and, you know, achievable and have it make sense, then I don't think people wound up having a fond memory of it. Now, if you had something that, like, out of the box, uh, 
you know, a new DM could sit down with their players and make good sense of it, uh, get it into play, and deliver multiple enjoyable sessions. This kind of had an almost like viral effect because it was going on anywhere there was a hobby shop and anybody who bought a copy of this module. Uh, it, you know, crept into the zeitgeist. You know, right. just everybody was having the same kind of experience. Uh, which, again, a fascinating thing about gaming, before the age of the internet was upon us, uh, that these experiences were meme-like. And so when people gathered at conventions, they were speaking a language that originated all over the country at the same time. You know, if you started talking about Against the Giants, uh, obviously nobody would have any idea what you meant except another person who had also played against the Giants. But your experiences were completely different. Uh, yeah, different characters. Oh, yeah, when we went into the throne room, it went down like this. Uh, that, that was a rather unique quality of gaming. So, you know, that tended to be like the deciding factor to me in a great nostalgia-worthy module. Yeah, they came from simpler times, but we all had a collective experience that was much similar. Um, of course, there were a lot of other modules. We uh, skipped a few, but yeah, I also pulled in RuneQuest and uh, Call of Cthulhu because they were so groundbreaking. Um, from Griffin Mountain came Wind Fury, and later WoW would pick up Wind Fury, Blessed Blade of the Windseeker. Yeah, you know that one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when it was much the same way. It was kind of a blade that you found on the Mount of the Griffins, and no spoilers, but uh, yeah, you have to do some stuff to activate the full powers and unlock all its unique qualities. So it had a resounding effect, as well as uh, Mass of Nyarlathotep was an epic uh, spanning campaign that even spanned time. So now why, you know, we mention these as, you know, like nostalgia worthy. Now, uh, we mention that because in almost all of these cases, these are materials that have been reissued either in their original form, more or less, uh, or harvested for core concepts. Example being the Against the Giants uh, there's a Dungeon Crawl Classic version, which, if, if I'm correct, you may have to correct me on this. It is, is it not called Annihilate the Giants or something oh, like that's that? Oh, for, that's for Hackmaster. Not right? Hackmaster. Annihilate the Giants. Uh, um, also, uh, Paizo came out with, uh, for Pathfinder, the Giant Slayer Adventure Path. Yeah. Uh, it's been homaged countlessly because it was just an enormously fun. Yeah, one was so more of a, a pastiche. It was, you know, despite Hackmaster being jokey... It has a lot of jokes hidden inside, but it's a serious system. And, of course, this was an serious uh, adventure. But one of the things that came out of it was is that it was kind of a new spin. Now, the Giant Slayer adventure path for Pathfinder was uh, it was more of an homage. It was all new material, but it definitely hit all three of the Giants types, along with, uh, you know, some uh, side treks into the storm and... Uh, Stone Giants as well. Ah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, now, I... I <laughs> in, in both the, uh, the Hackmaster and the uh, Paizo cases, uh, these were... You know, there was some new writing there. It's not yeah. like they just photocopied the old modules uh, and did a re-release with some new names on it. No. Uh, they, they wrote new material, but they were clearly inspired 
by one of the yeah. great modules. Also, series. like Iron Gods is uh, an homage to um, Expedition, Expedition to the, the Barrier, Barrier Peaks, Peaks, Techno Barbarians with laser rifles, and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Oh, of um, course, there are some checks and balances put in to keep player characters from running off with massive swag and altering the scope of campaign play. Uh, you know, it, it's up, of course, to the DM to exercise discretion appropriately. Uh, that can be tricky at some times, because you get very overly enthusiastic players, uh, especially the younger they are, you know, which, boy, after doing 5th edition DMing, my, my only uh, DM experience in 5th edition was for an entire pack of sugar-blitzed uh, preteens, and wow, they ran me ragged, dude. Mm. Just... Oh, yeah. But yeah, I can see where that would be a tough one for DMs to adjudicate. Uh, but it, it's a great homage. It was it was well worth resuscitating as a concept. It works really well within its own setting, and of course, it uh, it translates well in and out of uh, Return to the Keep of the on the Borderlands, which we mentioned. Uh, yeah, a no, week that's ago, another one. A couple of weeks ago, but, that was a terrific uh, revisit with new material. Right, and so there's. There's been attempts in the past to revisit oh, these. And Salt Marsh. Let's, how could I forget that? Well, yeah, we're going to get into that one in a minute. Yeah. That's where we're actually headed. So, All right. Hold on to your britches there. Don't oh, get too geez. far us. Uh, no, uh, one of the things that, we, uh, that we've noticed in the gaming industry is they're going back and they're retelling or homaging or, in some ways, reimagining settings. And, of course, uh, the Ghost of the Salt Marsh and the... Uh, the uh, Furious Strahd or Wrath of Strahd, whatever it was called. Oh, Curse yes. Of, uh, Curse of Ravenloft, Curse of Strahd. Jeez. It's just so, so many times that Strahd has been revisited in board games and, and uh, video games for D&D. Strahd von Zarovich. Yeah, but, you know, it resonates with people because for that very same reason that we talked about it. It's a classic, and a lot of people talk about it from the old golden days, which, you know, has its pro and cons. So... When you talk about like Ghost of the Salt Marsh, and they use things like the Sea Ghost, and they use a little, um, like wasn't there a baby lizard man? No, uh, uh, found in there. No, uh, there was a clutch of lizard men in the ship, uh, and I believe they were there negotiating uh, to purchase weapons. Oh, okay. I saw somebody uh, uh, had put up in the Ghost of the Salt Marsh. Uh, oh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Oh, yeah, and the that salt might have a baby. Yeah, that there was a, uh, in one of the modules. Because although I own them, I have not run them as much as Mike has. Um, but there is, you know, that's carried through uh, where it's following the player characters around and they have a little baby uh, lizard man, you know. Baby Yoda! Right, it, yep. See, totally had to happen. Had to happen, yep. Yep, I had to do that. And so, there's all there's a lot of good material that can be harvested and taken into the new age of gaming. And you can do so without kind of selling the image or insulting it. I don't think that any of these things are uh, great masterworks, but they are fun, and they do contain a lot of material that's shaped the way we played and how we look at the way we play. Yeah, uh, campaigns, especially those early campaigns, uh, pretty much set a kind of bar for what constituted a good campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, what what was good material to run a campaign with. And once that bar was set, uh, 
it became really difficult for people to deliver brand new stuff with no relationship to that original material um, and get the same kind of welcome reception because, frankly, there was kind of a little paradigm shift uh, about 20 years in. You know, you mm -hmm. go from like 1975 to 1995 and people's expectations changed. And so delivering what worked before was suddenly not quite working anymore. Uh, the initial blast of the internet, uh, the like surge that happened like mid nineties into the early two thousands, uh, caused a lot of chaos. It changed people's expectations about what they wanted from a game. So I, I think there was a kind of cultural thing going on there uh, that made nostalgia mining a much safer bet Right in the early 2000s. Yeah, when you had mentioned like the Minotaur from Keep on the Borderlands, kind oh, of people who already jerk. knew what you... Yeah, that jerk. Oh, man, he almost killed me. <laughs> I lost two good characters to that thing. <coughs> I'll never forget. Oh, yeah, didn't I... I, uh, which I can't remember which character I was playing, but I got the daylights trample out of me like two or three times. Yeah, but you know things like Tomb of Annihilation, where they take uh, the Tomb of Horrors and they move it forward, or there was also a box set to return to the Tomb of Horrors for second edition, right there at the tail end. Yeah, and that was uh, also kind of dark. Oh, uh, classic! But it took it way out of the context of the Tomb of Horrors, uh, just that singular tomb. Of course, you did visit there, but uh, only briefly. But more to the point that they use a lot of these things to build new material. Now, where it kind of runs bad, it's kind of like with the movie industry. When, you know, you just have, let's just reprint Keep in the Borderlands for a completely new generation. Now, Goodman Games has done this, and they're doing it for Keep, or Expedition on the Barrier Peak, to the Barrier Peaks, blah, I can speak. But, yeah, and I approve of, like, reissuing classic material. Okay. Right. Unaltered, unexpurgated, just this is what it was, here it is again. I highly approve of that too, okay? I love making these rarefied little gems more accessible to people. Yeah, written for because, position. And... You know, I have so often spoken of a DM's job being harvesting the material they like and editing out the material they don't. It's the DM's responsibility. He or she is just the absolute god or goddess of what is or is not in a campaign setting, and those alterations are yours to make. Uh, and when you give people the original material, unexpurgated, then they get to decide what they're going to go and do with it. And I, I think that is the most old-school concept of them all. I, I can't right. agree and that it, While they're doing that, just going back and trying to reinvent the wheel is kind of, I don't know. Now, uh, yeah, a, a, I suppose an example of Hollywood, uh, let, let's just say it. Uh, let's remake The Princess Bride. You know, it'll, it'll be that, but different, you know, for this era. To yeah, because we need more, you know, lively actors that are contemporary. Uh, it, there was a moment about that idea the remake of The Princess Bride that brought me great joy and hope. Not what you think. It was the moment when the entire internet rose up as one, despite all of our differences, despite all the ways that we see the world and experience the world so differently. 
the whole of humanity rose up with a single voice and cried out, No! Stop! Just back away! Don't make us hurt you. <laughs> that made me happy. I was like, wow, you know, the, the, some things really are sacred. <laughs> right, and one of the sins that uh, some game companies are following is trying to reinvent the wheel or follow a process that's already been done. Sure, uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, dungeon crawls or mega dungeons or expeditions to far-off islands or barrier peaks, but there is a point where you have to start kind of coming up with your own new material. There's a lot of unexplored country out there, and you need to kind of start putting your feet on the path to explore those. Yeah. And that means putting forth new ideas and taking chances. I mean, when they first probably looked at, uh, you know, things like Village of Hamlet and uh, Against the Giants were pretty safe bets. There was nobody, like, kind of questioning, well, I don't know if this will be accepted by the uh, Joe Gamer out there. But things like Expedition to the Barrier Peaks and even some of the uh, more esoteric stuff like Against the Slave Lords and uh, Ghost Tower of Inverness, while they were based solidly in dungeon crawls, their content was a little different. I mean, it is kind of a... An experienced playing uh, tournament modules like um, the uh, Against the Slavers series ended up, or was initially uh, turned up to be in before they revised it to be more fluid and uh, fluffed it up to be more uh, dynamic for a campaign or longer term scenarios. Yeah, these were originally tournament scenarios yeah. where the players might have like four hours. Yeah, about four hours. Block. Uh, to zap their way through these modules at maximum speed, uh, frequently with a timer, you know, with the stopwatch ticking. Yeah. Uh, and the scoring was largely based on how many of the core points, uh, you know, did they, how many thresholds did they cross? Right. Uh, before they reached the end. And so the, the group that got the closest to or actually achieved the ending was usually like the, you know, yeah, and to make them commercial uh, products, they, they had, had to, to fill in a lot of blanks. That yeah, and also anticipate not following the, the path of breadcrumbs that was laid out immediately for you. Like, what if you go here? Or what if this happens? What if, if you decide to like have the druid warp wood on the back of the building? Yeah, and so... Oh, boy. Well, yeah, and those adjudications came on the fly. Part of the charm of role-playing is that you know, nobody can totally in one module or scenario pack totally encompass what a party of player characters especially well-equipped and very clever ones will do and that of course can't be covered under any auspices of narration or uh, descriptive text it has to be fully adjudicated at that time at that table now uh from from a nostalgia standpoint uh i like uh, very much what we've covered on some of the classic materials that have been, if not precisely re-released, then have resulted in inspiration right. for new releases. Uh, and there's not, absolutely nothing wrong no, with no. homaging or ins being inspired by stuff of the past. That's not, not what we're trying to get at here. No, it's not just... going to poo-poo that at all. Uh, now... Uh, you know, can you throw out an example of something that, you know, was uh, like kind of a gamer cheesy remake where they just really dropped it? Oh, well, I, 
Actually, what I was going to go with was a good example of following an old uh, Mines of Bloodstone, uh, where basically you go against a cult of Orcas, was uh, directly, in, I feel, inspired Rapan Athet, which is a mega dungeon made by Frog God Games, or Necromancer and then Frog God Games also publishes it too now. But it's been built on as a large mega dungeon, pretty much kind of in the same way at the bottom of the dungeon of the Bloodstone Mines, uh, which was initially kind of a product for the War Machine system for AD&D, uh, the battle system as it was. And uh, they then expanded into a full-fledged uh, series of modules, Mines of Bloodstone and the Undermines, where, of course, you fight Orcus at the bottom Oof. of the level, which is a nasty, nasty, nasty thing. And, but they've done that, and I think they've done it not only well, but they've carved new territory and made a new legend. And that's more of what I want to see. But as far as dropping the ball, there's probably uh, several uh, scenarios out there lurking around that uh, could be better example. And I don't want to put anybody to you task for that. Fair enough. Rather than like, you know, let's not pick a whipping boy and just beat up on him. Uh, it That strikes me as so negative. I mean, the whole world, you know, the, the internet is literally awash in people who will tell you what sucks and what makes them mad. I do like, you know, more of an accentuate the positive attitude. You know, right. Hey, I'm, you see something awesome? Say, hey, that is awesome. Woo! High fives! <laughs> uh, yeah, Necromancer Games came out with uh, Rapanathic, and uh, that's like a three-series module, and they've now expanded into uh, several different uh, scenario packs and uh, even a hardback, as I understand it. So let's hit up uh, like the the actual Salt Marsh, you know the oh ghosts. released Ghosts of Salt Marsh, uh, which homages and returns to the setting roughly yeah of the original Salt Marsh trilogy, which I have DM'd a number of times and enjoyed every single time. It just gets funnier. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, our cousins across the water, the Brits. Uh, delivered one of the best products out there. Uh, the original Salt Marsh trilogy of modules. And here we are all these decades later. And, you know, like closing in on like a near the 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, the Ghosts of Salt Marsh was released, I believe, last year. Or was it this year? Yeah, it was this year, I think. Yeah, this year. Uh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Uh, for 5th edition, uh, delivered a pretty solid product, too. I mean, it was not just an exploitathon where, like, hey, we've rehashed a few tidbits of material. <laughs> no, this was a lot of new writing uh, returning to an area and homaging very much the sense and sensibility of that classic setting uh, so that people playing a very new system could still access that kind of, you know, uh, that rather familiar experience. I mean, yeah, you could get... They got the core concepts. Yeah, there. you got a foot in the past, and you're also got your foot well ahead in getting new territory and new material and new legends being built. They managed to thread the needle pretty well. And so mining for nostalgia, for inspiration and, you know, homages are great because they obviously resonate with the old players and some of the new, and they build a... Foundation that everybody has a equal footing on because they can understand certain phrases like, oh, Salt Marsh? Yeah, I know that place. That's <laughs> this place in here. And, 
Yeah. Well, it's like Bifrost, you know, it bridges the, the gap between two very different worlds. The, right. the old school and the new school worlds meet through moments like these, where, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I remember Saltmarsh back in the day. But then the new generation has new tales to tell. And I think that's what is important when you uh, mine nostalgia, is that you're not just recycling, you're moving forward. Yeah, to say what what thrills us, and I I think we spelled it out pretty good, you know, is that it's Mm. that threading of the needle, that perfect moment where you have delivered quality new material using a familiar medium uh, and connected uh, the past and the present, you know, for players of you know multiple generations that is a great achievement that is something that i i think game companies should totally strive for uh you know harvest the very best from the past uh, and use it as inspiration not just as as you know like cookie cutter yeah we just change the names and the faces of those involved and it's a totally new concept serious guys it's totally new it's not yeah because well, gamers are notoriously picky, and I, I say that with us not excluded from that, okay? We're notoriously picky, and we can spot that kind of treachery from a mile away. You know, it, it's... Uh, yeah, gamers are... It's like playing with scorpions, you know? It's, yeah. You... <laughs> you got to know what you're doing there, because they will sting the crap out of you. Just, ah, they'll turn on you in a heartbeat. Well, they know... When you're not their friend, you know, if you're just a creative and you're trying to do a nice thing and you do something fairly respectable, uh, you're probably going to get some criticism, but you're you're going to come out of it with your skin intact. Uh, if you, you know, pass off just really cheesy knockoff garbage, uh, you're going to get railed. Oh my God, gamers are vicious when it comes to that. I mean, we'll we'll pick a we'll pick the bones. Oh yeah, we'll we'll definitely drag you down. I think that the big thing here is that uh, while I support was and, and supported the OSR, I've kind of drifted away from it in the past uh, few months because it the kind of the revolution is over. We've won. We succeeded in making our own independent market. There is plenty of new and old games that uh, you can play, and uh, you can play stuff for the old systems. Or you know, there's Swords and Wizardry and Labyrinth Lord and um, People oh, are talking about yeah. Black Hack. So there's a variety of new stuff that deserves to have its place in the sun. The bad old days of 4th edition have died off. Uh, you know, I mean, the the case was proven. You know, the 4th edition pretty much, you know, collapsed in on itself. Uh, and 5th edition was like, let's go back to the drawing board and draw inspiration from the original, you know, from the other three previous incarnations. And then try to make the present have something more like a relationship with the past. And it worked. I mean, OSR... Well, yeah, we've got a new version of RuneQuest and uh, Call of Cthulhu 2. Yeah, I just... There is so much good stuff happening in gaming. You know, it's back out, and it's... I say new versions because they're more... They're still kind of the same old game that they've always been. Yeah, at at its inception, uh, OSR was a terrific thing that was much needed. The breath of fresh air in the room... Uh, and I, I think what happened was that, you know, in victory, uh, so many people that were the best representatives of mm-hmm. OSR uh, 
walked away because not because of frustration or anything like that, but because the job was done. I mean, you know, how come you're not still fighting? Because we won the war. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Just burn down villages now? You right. Know, and now it, it's up to us to keep it going and going into yeah. new areas and exploring new things. Yeah. And to encourage the best aspects of what OSR was about mm-hmm. uh, and to, you know, leave behind the, the most ludicrous tidbits. Uh, that, you know, was stuff that nobody needed, but, and I know that was frustrating for some. OSR was a contentious moment. Yeah, it didn't. So many different interests collided. You cannot simply define it as one specific group of people. It literally spanned hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, and, uh, and there's so much good stuff out there through Drive Through RPG, as well as uh, the DMs Guild, as well as other venues that you can get stuff. I mean, uh, RuneQuest just started its uh, Johnstown initiative, which was uh, where now you can do like the DMs Guild. You can write for RuneQuest, but you, know, you use this as a vehicle to uh, get your material out there. That's yeah. all they want. And so, you know, I've already seen an explosion of new RuneQuest material that I haven't seen in years. So, Which is just an outstanding leap forward for all of us. We are all pretty thrilled to see this much variety and this much uh, energy in the gaming marketplace. Yeah, and I just don't want to see it being uh, kind of spinning the wheels, just trying to, you know, do the same old thing you've done before. Just keep it, you know, there's nothing wrong with having dungeon crawls or any of the classic elements of fantasy gaming, but, you know, always don't be afraid to try something new like they did in the old days because, well, we... They didn't just because they didn't have it done didn't mean that they couldn't do it, but yeah. it just hadn't been done then. Looking at first causes, we've mentioned this in other episodes about other games. If you look back at some of the unusual game systems and unusual genres that popped up out of nowhere, the steampunk genre of games, bunnies and burrows, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> who would have thought a game named Tune, where you played cartoons, <laughs> was going to be a thing? It's remembered very fondly now. The point is. Don't just homage these classic things. Also take chances. I'd, I'd love to see, you know, what's a new concept? Uh, Tales from the Loop. Or if there's a little horror dream game called Don't Rest Your Head. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of weird, unusual stuff out there. Let those experiments happen, because that is what ultimately resulted in us being able to cherry-pick the past for these moments of awesome uh, that past only happened because so many people were open to releasing so much new material. Uh, so now we can comfortably sit back. This is like, you know, mining the top 40 and going, boy, music was so much better in the 70s. Uh, Seals and Croft? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, here you go, folks. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there's lots of great music in the 70s, and the, the great music was incredibly great. But we have let the stuff that really stinks fall by the wayside and be forgotten. Uh, so we're just harvesting the very best of the crop there. You know, we've, we've mm-hmm. separated the wheat from the chaff. And it's the same thing in gaming. Oh, well, I, I should do my obligatory crusty old man comment, though. Like, yes, our music was better. Uh, oh, wow. So, like, that having been said. Uh, <laughs> it needs not be said. Uh, but all right, I think we've kicked the ball around until it's <laughs> deflated enough, and we've well abused your eardrums beyond redemption. Yeah, we have. 
So uh, we're going to cut it short here and pack it in. And again, if you have any questions, comments, and concerns, and you should have many, you can uh, send them to our Facebook page, or you can uh, get a hold of us on Twitter, and me at Death Hand Gaming. And myself at uh, Deconjesting Mayhem, uh, no, uh, Vox Match Yep, Magic and uh, or just uh, download the Anchor app and uh, leave us a message, and we'll put you on the air. We won't make you famous, but we will give you some coverage. So All right. All right, but until next time, may, may the, the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.